0: sing together. Nothing can separate. Even if I run away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercies for Strong in the waters deep, but I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. Your love never fails. say the same through the ages your love never changes there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning and when the oceans range I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me your love never Together for my good sing it out You make all things work together for my good You make all things work together for my good You make all things work together for my good You make Things work together for my good. Sing it one more time. You make all things work together for my good. And you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And rains i don't have to be afraid because i know that you love me your love never fails amen
1: Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you, worshiping our God and standing in this room together as one congregation at one time. It's really great to be able to do that during the summer. Um, This morning is our second week of um, Pastor Earl Thornton being here, sharing a message with us as the Pat family take a break um, this summer and and get some time to just to regroup and and to spend some time with each other. So it's great to, to be here this morning to be able to worship God and to hear from God and just to leave. Changed. This morning, I don't know if you. Um you might notice this. I have no idea, and I don't want you to spend time trying to figure it out. But as we were practicing our songs this morning, it was kind of crazy. We had sort of a, a recurring theme going on, and um, pretty much, I guess overall, if you just want to take it, is faith. It's just about faith. It's believing that God is going to do what He's supposed to, or what He says that He's going to do um, because He loves us and He has a plan for us. And so, um, you just as you're singing this, just really grab onto this this truth that God has for us through these songs.
0: I have resolved to wait upon you, Lord. My rock and redeemer, seal and reward, I'll wait upon you, Lord. As surely as the sun will rise, you'll come to us. Certain as the dawn appears, you'll come. Let your glory fall as you respond to us. Spirit, rain, Flood into our thirsty hearts again. You'll come. You'll come. We are not changed. truth, we wait upon you, Lord. As surely as the sun will rise, you'll come to us, certain as your word endures. You'll come, let your glory fall as you respond to us. Spirit, rain, but into our thirsty hearts again. you come. As you respond to us, Spirit, rain, flood into our thirsty hearts again. You'll come, you'll come, let your glory fall.
1: To bring to you this morning, and it's oceans. And I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's a beautiful song about faith. And my favorite line in that song is, um, "I will call upon your name, and keep my eyes above the waves." Have you ever noticed that when we focus on the waves, we lose sight of Christ? And that's when we sink. And so this song is just a, it's just a gorgeous song. And, and if you're familiar with it, please sing with us. Please sing out. Um, if you're not, enjoy the words and let them sink in and sing when you feel comfortable, um, or when you feel like it's familiar enough to sing.
0: You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. on your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace abounds in deepest waters your sovereign hand will be my guide where feet may fail and fear surrounds me you've never failed and you won't stop My Savior, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon. So
1: Father, we thank you for this song so beautifully written, Lord. The words are just so perfect because sometimes we do. We feel called upon these crazy waters, Lord, in this storm. And Father, as long as we keep our eyes on you, Jesus, those waves won't overtake us. And some of us are standing in those waters right now. And I just pray, Father, that you would speak truth to them. Speak truth that you won't, you're not there to destroy them, Father but you will bring them through that we can call upon your name, Lord. And you are right there, father, because you love us and you've created us. We worship you this morning. We thank you for the word that you have for us. We know that you want us to hear it. And we pray that it would just penetrate our minds and our souls, father, that we hold on to it and just plant it in our hearts so that we are changed this morning in your name. We pray. Amen. Please be seated.
2: Good morning. I'm Jason. I uh, I was introduced to you guys last week. If you um, weren't here last week, then um, I'm Jason. Um, So anyway, um, so what we're going to do is I would like to welcome everyone, welcome the visitors. If you uh, if this is your first time being here, um, we'd like to welcome you. We uh, we normally um, throughout the school year have two services: one at nine and one at ten thirty. In the summer, we have nine thirty service um, all the way through the summer. So. It's, uh, it's good to see you guys here. Um, if you, uh, got a folder this morning, we have a a little white card in there. If you would like to fill that out, uh, make sure you put your email address on there, um, or any of the information that you are comfortable putting on that card. Uh, we will collect that when we have the, the offering. And, um, so you can do that. Don't do it while pastor Earl speaking, but, um, you know, we'll give you some time. You can do it right now. And, um, but uh, at the end, you'll be able to uh, fill that out as well. So um, without further ado, we are going to um, bring Pastor Earl up again. Uh, last week, those of you that, that were here, um, I think he brought a, an excellent message, and I'm very excited about what he's going to bring today. So uh, why don't we uh, give him a welcomed applause for coming back two weeks in a row? Thank you,
3: well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, It's good to be here, isn't it? I mean, there are other places that it's better that you're not there versus here. And I'm just, I'm really impressed. This tells me several things. First of all, somebody cares about me. And they may be having a statement about my sermon last week because there's nothing worse than a dry preacher. <clears throat> I need you on the drums over there, a little rim shot at that point. <laughs> Wonderful being here, being here with you, and being here with uh, Jason and Dana, great friends, some of you that we also know from years past. And, uh, in fact, just yesterday, I, in fact, I was real, I looked down during worship, you know, our mind goes elsewhere. Danny did a great job with worship because it didn't... Uh, I'm saying just because it didn't continue my interest at one particular point wasn't your problem. You were doing fabulous. I looked down at my arm. I got baptized with gasoline yesterday. Uh, oh, that's, that's not a ooh kind of thing. I was, I was helping my father-in-law. We were over in Iowa. I was helping him do some things around their farm and uh, move some gas, and it just went up, you know. And I'm just glad he didn't have an open flame with him. He could have set his son-in-law on fire. <laughs> Oh, let's not go there. I was thinking about uh, the message today, and do you realize God has this service designed with you in mind? You are not here by accident. Now, Danny, you said that you realized as you were going through the worship set and that, that there was a theme running through it, right? And what was that theme? And did you get hold of the NSA or somebody and hack into my computer? I know there's a lot of that going on. Did you connect with the FBI and they were listening into my cell phone? Or I don't know, something's going on here. Maybe it could be the Holy Spirit, because you know what the message is about today? Gasoline? No, no. <laughs> what pleases God? Don't everybody answer once. I heard it off to my left. What pleases God? Faith. When we talk about what pleases God, we have to put faith at the top of the list. Simply put, faith pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11, you're probably familiar with it. It is what I refer to as the Hall of Fame of Faith. It's this list of people that did significant, unusual, amazing kind of things. Hebrews eleven six it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. That's pretty definitive, isn't it? For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and seek that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice it doesn't say without faith it is really hard, it is very difficult to please God. No, it says it is impossible to please Him without faith. In Hebrews 10.38 it says, And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. I mean, that's pretty black and white. You don't need a theology degree to dig through this one. If you want to please God, it starts with faith. Trusting God completely. So really we need to just like put it on pause right at that moment and say, do I really trust God with every part of my life? How am I doing? Do I place my faith in Him all the time or is it moment by moment? Am I struggling? And I'd have to admit here this morning, I struggle with that. There are times I'm full of faith. There's other times I'm certainly not in Hebrews chapter 11. I referred to Hebrews chapter 11, chapter that we call the Hall of Fame of Faith. And as you read through it, there is a very surprising name on the list. I think he's really the poster child of fear. He's an unlikely leader. How many of you remember Don Knotts? You know, Barney Fife? Andy Griffin Show? Was he the guy that had one bullet? Yeah, pocket. <laughs> a lot of good at it in there. Or maybe you remember him as uh, Ralph Furley on Three's Company. I looked at his bio a little bit. I think it was like 23 movies that he's been in. And he was known for that guy that was fearful, always jumping and just. I, I loved watching him. Gideon in Hebrews chapter 11, listed there, is the Don Knots on this list. He was an unlikely leader. Leadership isn't always given to the most impressive, the best qualified. The true visionary has often made his way to the top via a very unorthodox approach. In fact, there was a study done. and This is absolutely fascinating. Notre Dame University teaches its A students to learn to appreciate the D students. Because Notre Dame's research has shown that the honor students are more likely to be employed by the dropouts. So another, respect your future boss. <laughs> in like fact, you're reminding me, my wife um, grew up in Iowa, Johnson, Iowa. And she refers to this one guy that just literally slept through his high school years. Head on the desk, or he pulled down his cap until you couldn't see his eyes. He'd be hanging back there, and he's, he's sleeping through his high school years. Now he's a real estate tycoon worth millions of dollars. Unlikely leaders. Well, you know, biblical leadership isn't a lot different. God rarely chooses those that made the high school most likely to succeed list. God consistently chooses the least likelies, the who's that, to accomplish his work. God has picked the ordinary to do the extraordinary In fact, you read through some very interesting stories. They're just little nuggets, barely take up a verse. There's a man by the name of Ehud. Anybody know any Ehuds? I mean, that's not a name you usually give your child, right? God chose him because he was left-handed and he was available. So all of you lefties in here, there's hope. (laughs) Nehemiah, we look at him, he has a book that he authored, But literally, he was a security food taster for the king, which means, let's give it to him. If Mikey likes it and doesn't die, it's okay. God chose him. God picks a defiant, runaway Jonah to do a job that he had absolutely no heart for. A guy by the name was Gideon. By the name of Gideon was picked to lead Israel's troop, though he showed serious signs of cowardice. Each one God chooses breaks the mold. He's a second stringer. He's a Rudy, if you will, at best. Yet each one accomplished great things. In fact, it's fascinating. As you read through, each time God chose on those rare occasions when God picked someone of renown, he first sent them off to be retooled. Antagonistic Paul, who was killing a lot of Christians at that time, he was dispatched to the Arabian Desert for three years before God used him. Aristocratic Moses, raised by the Pharaoh's daughter, he was sent to the backside of the desert for 40 years before God used him. If you've got your Bible, your electronic device, turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I love this particular device. And there's the electronic device, finding Judges (laughs) 6. I love it. Verse 1, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. So God's judgment was to bring about chaos, to bring them to clarity. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Get the picture. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all the way from Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and the camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites, they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse 7. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent up a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt. We talked about that last week. From the hand of your oppressors, and I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, not Oprah, in Ophrah, and that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And put a little circle around that in your brain. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our father told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? And now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hands of Midian." The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, in my best Don Knot's voice. I can't do Don Knot's, it hurts my voice. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least of the family. And I've only got one bullet. (laughs) Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. How many have been at that point? Give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. The Lord said, I'll wait until you return. I, I love this part. Just, I picture, you know, the angel of the Lord, which I believe is Jesus. It's the theophany. Just sitting, chilling all this time. Because look at what Gideon does. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat from, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. How many knows this takes just a little while. It's not a drive through McDonald's. What's your order, please? putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out, offered them to him under the oak. The angel, of God, the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, pour out the broth. Gideon did so with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. How many at that point would be saying, whoa, got my attention. Angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Oh, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace, dude. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. That's a whole other sermon right there. I've got to tell you, this is one of my favorite stories. In fact, I was toying around with titling this message, Barney Fife versus Midianites. So the Midianites, assisted by the Amalekites, had taken over and were harassing the Israelites. Don't you love all the Israelites, you Shanahanites? (laughs) Notice they didn't take them captive, they didn't take their land, they just waited for them to work the land, produce crops to ripen, then they came in, as the Bible says, like a swarm of grasshoppers, locusts, or parasites. I guess that goes along with the name of Midianites and Amalekites, and they needed a somebody to come along and apply a raid or whatever it is. I mean, isn't that like an enemy? Just harass you and distract you? This is one of the reasons, I believe it says in Psalm 23, which is known as the shepherd's psalm, thou anointest my head with oil. What the shepherd would do would anoint the head of the sheep with a particular oil that he had designed. And the purpose of it was with the Arom- aromatic things that were in it would keep the flies away because as the sheep are grazing on the ground the flies the bugs are bothering them and if they can't graze peacefully they won't put on fat and wool Thou anointest my head with oil there's a reason that god gives his holy spirit to bring us peace now were the midianites israel's real problem no their problem was their sin And God was using this pagan nation to turn them back to him. As a result of what they were doing, they had no peace. We find Gideon down in a hole in the ground, threshing wheat. Any of you who have a farming background, you know how ludicrous this was. I've had the blessing of being able to be in Israel a few times, and a threshing floor where you would separate the wheat from the straw and the chaff, it was on an exposed area. In fact, it was elevated so that whatever prevailing winds came through, as, first of all, you take the oxen, you walk them around, you had what was called a tribunal, and that was a sled with all these rocks and things embedded in it that would separate the, the, uh, the chaff and the straw from the grain. And then you would have what is called a winning wing fork. You would take that and toss it up in the air, and the prevailing wind would catch the light stuff, the chaff, and the good grain would fall down. So that's how you did it. Now, where was Gideon doing this? Hello? In a wine press. You don't press wine on a threshing floor. It runs down the sides. Really a bummer trying to get in the bottles In right? A wine press was, in fact, I've seen them. They would dig them out of solid rock. It was an area that was depressed, dug down in. It would have us a... a little trough dug on the side so that the juice would go over to another side and then they could collect it over there. So I'm I'm just picturing Gideon down in this ludicrous place. He's trying to keep his grain safe from the Amalekites and the Midianites. And I just picture him picking up the grain and tossing it up and going, (laughs) and he's got chaff all over him. He looks, he's coughing, he's sneezing, he's allergic to, to wheat chaff, I'm sure. He's got wheat allergies, he's got all kinds of problems. And what happens? The angel of the Lord shows up and says to this guy who's tossing the grain, Going, thou mighty man of valor! He looks around, I, I think he choked on the chaff. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now notice Gideon's response. If the Lord's with us, why is life so tough? Why are our circumstances so bad? We do the very same thing. We are full of fear. We're troubled. We're confused. We're angry. And God comes to us and we debate him. I love what the old pastor, what the old preacher said. Your arms are too short to box with God. Notice, the angel of the Lord does not respond to Gideon's question. He gives Gideon a challenge. Gideon, do something about it. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. He's showing a lot of strength here. Well, he is using a little bit to try to do what he's got. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? With the same strength you are using to thresh the wheat, go defeat this army. What what does Gideon do? What we do, negotiate and whine. We don't identify with that at all, do we? No. No hands raised. I'm a weak person. I've got a weak family line. I've got weak DNA. I've got a weak heritage. Gideon, it's not about you. It's about God. Gideon showed fear while threshing the wheat. You read on through this powerful story. He showed fear when he meets the angel of the Lord. And he showed fear then when he decided to accept the challenge. He goes into town and he cuts down the poles where they're doing this pagan worship. It's called the Asherah poles. He cuts them down and burns them. And he does that at night and he runs back home and hides. Mighty man of valor It's not exactly a bold, confident personality. Fear is debilitating. It makes you do some really funny things. An attorney was cross-examining a cowboy... On the witness stand he said uh, sir you claim to have suffered severe neck injuries but the report of the sheriff says that when you asked when you were asked of the scene about the accident you said you were doing fine how do you explain that well the cowboy twisting in his neck brace looked over at the jury and explained he says well you see when the car came around the corner so fast and hit my horse right out from under me i was stunned for the next few minutes and by the time i came to and was fully aware of my surroundings i the sheriff walked over to my horse, and the sheriff shook his head, pulled out his gun, and shot my horse to put him out of his misery. And then with his gun still in the hand, he came over to me and said, How are you doing? I said, I'm fine. <laughs> fear is powerful. There's good fear, it can help us. <laughs> There's bad fear, it paralyzes, it debilitates. Gideon's an example of fear that paralyzed his faith. He was living his life so much by fear that he found it difficult to believe that God was really with him. When God called him into leadership of the army of Israel, Gideon didn't see any way he could fulfill God's call. Me? <laughs> no way. You're calling me? Uh-uh. I mean, I'm not even important. My family, my family's not important at all. In fact, we're the lowest. of all. whoa. whoa, whoa. 2 Timothy 1.7, perhaps some of you know this passage. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love. One translation says a sound mind. Another translation says of self-discipline. You might recall Ann Landers' advice column years and years and years in many, many newspapers. They said that she would receive up to 10,000 letters a week. I'm sure she didn't review all those herself. And she was asked, what's the most common problem you're asked for help with, advice on? She said, without a doubt, fear. Fear is the one factor that all people have in common. The problem really is not fear. For those of us who are followers of Christ, it's really not fear. It's a problem with our theology. The problem is an inadequate, incorrect view or understanding of God, of who He is and how He feels about us. And it's interesting to note, fear is mentioned right at the beginning of the Bible, book of Genesis, chapter 3. The Lord God called a man, where are you? He answered. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? I commanded you not to eat. Genesis 3, Adam became afraid. He did two things. He hid and he tried to cover up. And you can continue reading through the book of Genesis. You find fear there. And in every single other 65 books of the Bible, you find the theme there of fear. Fear of one kind or another, it's on display as a common human experience. I mean, everyone has experienced some kind of fear. Do you know what the number one fear is? Public speaking. I was teasing a friend of mine. He was here today, and he, we were talking. I was, we were driving back over from Iowa, and I said he said, "Are you, you going to make it?" I said, "No, I, I'm not going to make it, but Bonna. Have you speak for me? I got my notes. You'll be good." Oh, no, 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 no way." In fact, Jerry Seinfeld put it this way. He said, "At a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy." There you have it. It's a cute little cartoon. I wish I had a copy of it. It it illustrated a girl giving a report in school. and She said, my report is called How to Overcome Your Fear of Public Speaking. You can't. The end. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to get this. I don't want you to misunderstand the direction of the theme of what I've been talking about this morning. I love how God started with Gideon right where he was. He started with him at his fear and helped nurture him gradually out of his fear into a life of faith. I think that is the most beautiful illustration of God. We are so hard on ourselves, and sometimes we are hard on others around us because we don't measure up, we think, and others don't measure up, we think, and so we're all over them. And look how God walks along. Look how patient God is. When God called Gideon to lead, Gideon insisted on a sign. Is this you really speaking to me? Okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a fleece wool out on the ground and and make the ground dry and the fleece wet. God does that. What does Gideon do? He goes in the power of that sign, right? No, he says, okay, now let's reverse it. Let's flip it all around and let's have the ground all wet and the fleece dry. And finally, with incremental growth in his faith, Gideon accepts the call to lead the army. This shows me God's incredible grace. God is so gentle with us. He's so loving. He's so good. He likes you. In fact, to be really honest, he loves you. God thinks you're incredible. In fact, the Bible says that you're the apple of his eye. I mean, how's that feel? Good? God is so kind. He's so gentle. He's so gracious with us. Gideon faces the same problem we all face. At the beginning, he simply lacked the faith to take God at His word, and God told Gideon what He wanted him to do. I mean, even at that point, Gideon wasn't quite willing to do it. I already referred to 2 Timothy one seven. God did not give us the power of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, sound mind, self discipline. Perhaps you want to jot down Psalm thirty four four. I prayed to the Lord; He answered me, and He freed me from all. My fears. The truth is, you have a father that loves you. He has a plan for your life. He loves you. He wants you to love him. The Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. I want you to see this. God will never bring fear into your life to cause you to do anything. God doesn't work by fear. It's the devil that uses fear to control us. Read about it in Hebrews 2. I don't have time to go through it all. Just jot down Hebrews 2. You can see it there. The Bible's clear. I mean, all fears are ultimately based on the fear of death. Well, I've got a fear of spiders, somebody says. No, you've got a fear of being bitten and dying. Well, I've got a fear of snakes. No, you've got a fear of dying by snake bite. Okay, well, hey, preacher, I've got a fear of heights. No, you don't have a fear of heights. You have a fear of splattering. (laughs) Death and fear have no power over the believer because the Bible says, listen to this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We will not die. Yes, we will leave our bodies. There will be people that will come to our grave. And they will all tell lies about what wonderful people we are. (laughs) Now, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What did Jesus say to the one, the thief that was dying, the good thief dying on the cross? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Paradise. So at the moment when you're a follower of Christ, you breathe your last breath here. You take your next breath in heaven. Perfect love casts out all fear. I wish I had time to go on through and just look at all that. Gideon became an exceptional leader. We don't have a, a great history of what transpired between this fearful fleece incident. And then when he goes out and he starts calling all the other tribes, he ends up with 30,000 guys going with him. And God says, hold on a minute, mighty warrior. Too many. You know that story. He narrows it down to 300. And you proceed on, you read through all the incidents. He was included then. God says, Hall of Fame, Gideon. You're right there. Your poster, your bust is on the wall. Fear subtracts subtracts from life. Faith expands who we are and what we can do. Fear is expecting the devil to move. Faith is expecting God to move. Isn't it significant that God was working on my heart and spirit, working on Dana's heart and spirit as she was designing the worship, and it all fit together perfectly. You are not here by accident. God has you here for a reason. Fear is reality minus God. Faith is reality plus God. If your eyes could be open to see the supernatural realm around you, you would never fear again. You would realize that greater are those who are with you than those who are against you. And if you will take time to really get to know the Father, you will see that you really don't have anything in the world to fear at all. Let me wrap it up. First of all, do you need to make a decision to give your life completely to God today? Perhaps you've just been thinking about it a little bit, and you realize, boy, my life is not exactly where it needs to be. Well, today is a great day to do that. All you have to do is is to say, Lord, I made a mess of my life. I have really done a bang-up job. Would you please forgive me? The Bible says that when we pray the prayer, meaning it, bam, like that, we are forgiven. And we become part of the family of God. Perfect love casts out all fear. And He gives us, we move from that spirit of fear to faith, love, and sound mind. Let me ask you this, what has you threshing wheat in a wine press? How long do you want to stay there? Covered with all that junk. God's calling you to come on up and live the life that he's designed for you. God's calling you to greatness. Go in the strength you have. Father, this morning we thank you that you're such a loving, wonderful, warm, gracious God Father, you have designed this service with every single person here in mind. We are not here by accident. Father, you're here to encourage some that have really felt discouraged and devastated by what life has done to them. Lord, you're telling them that I love you. I have a plan for your life. I have only good plan for you. Lord, I pray that we'll make the decision to trust you. To stop being so hard on ourselves. Stop hearing those voices of condemnation because that's only from the enemy. That's not from you. To accept that we are loved and you have a life plan for us that's exceptional. And Father, if there's someone here this morning that just needs to turn their life over to you completely and invite you to come in to forgive them of their sins, I pray that right now in the Sanctity of this moment, we will do exactly that and say, Lord, come into my life. I give you control. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Right now, our servers are going to come forward and serve communion to us. Um, You're welcome to... um partake in communion. You don't need to be a member of our church, just a member of the body of Christ. And as you receive communion, you can um, go ahead and take it whenever you feel you're ready.
0: Yeah. In his-
1: Dear God, we thank you for the love that you have for us. Father, we know that you so loved the world that you gave your only son that whosoever should believe in you shall not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for that love and we thank you for that promise. And Lord, we thank you for meeting us here today, right where we are, Father, right where we needed to meet you. Thank you for the words of encouragement, Lord. And Father, help us to always remember that without faith, we can't please you, Lord. But with it, we have a life that's unbelievable. In your name we pray, amen.
2: All right, I'm going to have the servers come on Come on down. Um, right now, you can get that uh, card back out. And if you want to, um, go ahead and take a little bit of time on... Um, fill that out. Uh, they're going to be collecting those cards right now with our weekly offering. Um, I'm going to highlight a few things in the um, in your program here. Uh, there is warehouse tonight uh, for high school. Um, it is 80s night. So I remember the 80s, okay, which a lot of you do too as well, and it was a bad time, <laughs> all right? It was nasty, you know, styles, but... The high school kids enjoy it, so they can go ahead and pop the collar a little bit, you know, and, and um, I was trying to think of hairstyles and stuff, and I thought of the mullet, but I guess that's in the 90s. So anyway, all right, so uh, our guest speaker tonight, uh, since Brian Papp won't be here, it will be Bob Coyne, so Bob will be there, and uh, he'll be speaking tonight. Um, this week is also Wednesday, it's um, uh, students moving up this week, so... Um, if you have a student that is going into fifth grade, uh, excuse me, fifth grade to sixth grade, um, the sixth graders will are, are able to come to Warehouse on Wednesday night. So it's sixth grade through eighth grade uh, for Warehouse on Wednesday nights. And then the same thing with eighth graders moving up to high school this year, they're able to go. Can they go tonight? No, no you can't go tonight. Sorry. Uh, next Sunday, um, you can go to Warehouse um crafting event june 13th you can still get a hold of amy uh amy stroman the uh the numbers right here in the in the program um last week i told you to go out and find somebody um for the uh the student helping out the students the person that you're supposed to find is laura chap chaplin is laura in here i'm sorry i saw her wave last week and i was like i'm just, just sliding right through. I'm not even going to go back to it. So uh, last week when I said, um, if if you want to help help out with the um, student ministry and stuff, I said, go find somebody. Well, it's Laura Chaplin. So if you want to find Laura, she'll be around. All right. Um, The last thing that I'd like to talk about is um, we'd like you to uh, save a couple of dates for the end of the summer or into the school year. August 25th, our outdoor service will be at um, Four, river, four Rivers, and um, just make sure you save the date on that. Put that on your calendar. Make sure you are uh, available for that weekend. And then there's a uh, November 8th and 9th women's retreat in Brook. Save that date as well. So, did I get everything? I think so. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and stand. Um, you know what, let's do this. Let's give Pastor Earl Thornton a huge round of applause, and thank you for being here. And Joy, thank you for being here as well. Um, I really appreciate them being able to come and, and take, uh, take time out and uh, come and preach the word for us. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you so much for this church, for this family of God. Um, we thank you that um, you have given us uh, people that speak into our lives, Lord. We thank you that we we're able to let the paps go and enjoy some time um, by themselves as a family. Lord, we thank you that um, you have given us um, given us the power, and it's from you. Lord, I pray that everyone here can move past their fear and go to the faith that, that you want them to be. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this, um, this time that we can spend together, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you very much. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week.